This is Christopher Benincasa for the Jersey Arts Podcast. Tomorrow, the great cheesy movie circus tour is coming to town. It's the latest live tour from Mystery Science Theater 3000, the classic television show in which a spaceship janitor and his homemade robot friends are subjected to a cruel experiment by mad scientists, meaning they are forced to watch the worst movies ever made until they go insane. Creator and original host Joel Hodgson and company will be doing two shows at the State Theater in New Brunswick tomorrow. He spoke with us earlier this week from the tour bus about the history of the Peabody award-winning Mystery Science Theater 3000 and about how the unique comedic art form he created continues to connect with audiences over 30 years after the show premiered on a local station in Minneapolis before becoming the first program picked up by Comedy Central. New episodes of Mystery Science Theater 3000 are currently streaming on Netflix. So a few years ago, you ran one of the most successful film and television crowdfunding campaigns in history via Kickstarter, raising millions of dollars to bring Mystery Science Theater 3000 back, this time on Netflix. A lot of shows from past eras are coming back in all kinds of ways these days. Could you talk a little bit about your creative process with this new iteration of Mystery Science Theater 3000? Well, um, obviously, you know, it's 20 years since the first iteration of the show, and um, the world has changed so much, and um, just not not so much as far as references go, because we use a lot of references in the show, but just the world is much more visual. I think, um, I think kind of like if you think about when Mystery Science Theater started, it was in a pre-Pixar age. And I think if you think about what Pixar, as an example, did, uh, the world is much more visual and people have a little bit higher expectation of what they're looking at. And so... That was kind of my first goal, is to just make it uh, use the same language that we used originally in the show, but just make it a little more visually interesting. Um, and so that's kind of it. Um, that's really where I started, what I wanted to do. And then the next piece was just bring in new writers so we could have really new, um, have people that are in their 30s like we were when we started. So that was kind of the other piece of it. When I was reading up on you, one thing I learned that I think is so interesting is that you are a lifelong maker of things. I hadn't known how hands-on you were with character design and set design. I mean, I'm I'm a very naive uh, maker. I um, I think I just kind of got into it. My dad, uh, my parents were do-it-yourselfers. My brother's a studio artist, and. Um, um, I always liked sculpture in college and stuff like that, and I was always building magic tricks and puppets when I was in high school and junior high school. And um, the theory for Mystery Science Theater was to make the sh- cheapest show possible so um, I wouldn't have to get like a bank loan to make it and demonstrate to either a production company or a bank that my idea was bulletproof and would make them money. I didn't know if I could do that, so I just decided instead to make the cheapest show possible, and that meant me, for the pilot, making all the sets and props and puppets. And so we used all those sets and props and puppets for the first 22 episodes. 
And then when we got paid to do it for Comedy Channel, which became Comedy Central, um, we had more money. We still built everything, but we had a workshop and we had more hands and more skilled people to do it, uh, like Trace Beaulieu, who built the model of the Satellite of Love and and was a really good builder and designed the set uh, for us that became the set for the early iteration of the show from 20 years ago. Mystery Science Theater 3000 was listed as one of the top 100 television shows of all time by Time Magazine. Plus it has, it just seems like fans have genuine affection for the show. Do you agree with that? Do you feel that, especially right now when you're on tour? Oh my god, yeah, I mean, um, yeah, we're we're super lucky. It's just one of those shows, I think, um, it's pretty humble. It's like not a glamorous TV show like most shows, and I think people like kind of are, certain person is attracted to that, and um, and I've always been really grateful, and we're like the least glamorous TV show in history, I think, because everybody can figure out how we built everything, and how we did everything but that attracts a certain kind of person and um and yeah so we have really um wonderful fans that will um you know for example um let's see here where are we we're at is this it no it's we're in uh we're in the at the Riviera Theater in North Tonawanda New York and so we're we're like 15 miles from Niagara Falls and um and then the last gig, um, uh, we were in Wilmington, North Carolina, and prior to that, we were at the National Theater in Washington, D.C., so we're doing really big cities and small cities and all nature of stuff, and it's really just to be available and, and find where all those people are that like us. Could you talk a little bit about the live show? Like, how did you put it together, and what is it exactly that the audience will be seeing and hearing on stage? Well, yeah, it's like a theatrical version of our TV show. It's got a theme song, and I sing the theme song and introduce the characters, and then the Mads come out and introduce the movie, and then we're off and running, and we're riffing on the movie, and and there are sketches in between and an intermission like a live show. So it's really a theatrical version of the TV show. The story about how Mystery Science Theater 2000 came to be is a great story in and of itself and a lot of that has to do with you and the professional and artistic decisions and risks that you took could you give us a sense of where you were at personally during the earliest days of the show well yeah the story really starts like a few years earlier when i'm a stand-up so when i left college i moved to la and and became and was a stand-up i was a stand-up while in college in minneapolis and went to LA to seek my fortune and to uh, perform there and I got in at the Magic Castle and I got in at the Comedy Store and the Comedy Magic Club and I was really fortunate because within a few months I got on Letterman. I landed my first show on a national TV show on the Late Night with David Letterman and that went really great and then that kind of spur, kind of started other uh, gigs for comics like touring extensively but also doing Letterman three or four more times and then I was on the Young Comedian special on HBO and also was um, was on Saturday Night Live four or five times and so well, that was kind of my career 
and I kind of got exhausted doing that and I and I wanted to do something more but I didn't know what it was uh, Jerry Seinfeld approached me and said hey I just booked my first HBO special would you like to help me write it and so we just spent I don't know the next I don't know couple of months uh, working on that and it was a really positive experience and um, and so I came up with a TV show or a feature a feature length film for him which was a comedy science fiction and after I pitched it to him he goes this isn't a show for me this is a show for you and and he was kind of right and um, and I realized I was just kind of nervous about fronting my own show and so I really thought about it and then I said yeah okay well I'm gonna move back to Minneapolis and see what happens creatively and I decided to make a local TV show that I knew I could then sell nationally if we figured it out and so yeah we did it we did a, lo a show on a local UHF channel in Minneapolis and did 22 feature-length shows there and it worked really good and people liked it and then the same guy who was executive producer on Seinfeld special was the head of Comedy Channel, which was to become Comedy Central, and that was a guy named Stu Smiley. So I brought him a cell tape of about eight minutes of our of our show, and he and he bought it. So that then we were off and running. So that's kind of how it worked. The show has always had a cult following, and also lots of famous fans like. Al Gore, Patton Oswalt, Frank Zappa, and the Minnesota Vikings. I know that you get a lot of fan mail, but what's one of your favorite bits of feedback that you've received over the years? Yeah, the, I just got one recently, and I'm I'm looking for it around here. It was like a guy just a guy just handed it to me, and um, I think it was I think it was Wilmington, and um, this guy. Um, he was he just handed it to me got backstage and he handed me this letter and I, I read it and he kind of talked about MST and perspective of his dad and his dad was like having a hard time at work he was struggling and he, this kid this guy was obviously a really sensitive kid and he just said we were all feeling it and then one night MST came on and his dad just it, it was like uh, cave dwellers you know and he just said his dad started laughing and he and it and it kind of in he gave this guy was such a good writer and and he was so good at explaining it that he helped me kind of understand like the on a real personal level what it was like for him uh you know in in the context of his family when they were having a hard time and so that was a really lovely a really lovely thing he did that i really appreciated and so um, and I don't really, you know, that's an extraordinary situation and I don't really feel like that's what most people want from MST or like about MST, but that was a really nice, um, that was one of my favorite, uh, like kind of feedback stories where, where it kind of made his, as a kid, MST, because of the way it, for whatever reason, his dad liked it, it kind of made the kid's life easier and happier, you know? So this is your last tour. You're right in the middle of it as we speak. Um, what do you hope that your fans will get out of these live shows? Well, I kind of want to, um, 
it's kind of important to me to kind of keep the, the brand rolling and that's kind of what this is it's just a shot to see a bunch of new talent like we have all new people doing tom servo crow and gpc and it's really just about kind of my my acknowledgement that i wanted to keep going but i'm not always going to be associated with i'm not always going to be there and so it's a little bit of a mortality thing but it's also just to kind of go you know everything's got an end to it and and the show doesn't have to end but um and i'm going to keep working with it but uh, this is kind of the end of me doing uh doing mystery science theater on the road this is my third tour and um and i'm 59 so i just kind of feel like i got one more in me and and all that so and and beyond that though i mean there's something um really crazy and great about being in the room with people that is beyond a tv show and so that's the thing that's really different and and only people who come and see it understand what i'm talking about because uh it's just the weirdest thing when you're sitting with um uh, 800 or 1200 people and they're and they're laughing with you at what you're used to just looking at by yourself when you're watching your tv it's a it's a really different thing creator of mystery science theater 3000 joel hodgson the great cheesy movie circus tour comes to new brunswick's state theater tomorrow for tickets go to the state theater's website stnj.org for more info on the mystery science theater 3000 live tour go to mst3klive.com and for more information about the arts in new jersey go to jerseyarts.com i'm christopher benincasa thanks for listening The Jersey Arts Podcast is made possible by the New Jersey State Council on the Arts, supporting excellence and engagement in the arts since 1966.